existence In existence, join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics Have a pass and match this Here's how we practice Everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week, we do in... Calvin and Hobbes versus Cul-de-Sac. Yeah, in an attempt to uh, make the premise of the show the flimsiest we possibly can, we're doing actual comic strips. I don't know how that's flimsy. It's not... It's not a hungry man meal. It's more like a... It's more like a banquet 99 cent... uh, Salisbury steak meal, you know what I'm saying? Those are pretty good. Yeah, but it, it's not its not built for a man, is what I'm trying to say. It's built more well, for we, a child. We never claimed we were men. We, we, ha- we didn't. And uh, we certainly never claimed we weren't children. Uh, but does it reach the... Does Is it good enough for our original... The original point of the show was to have something from kind of current... It's close to Karen and something from 30 years ago. Is Calvin Hobbes 30 years old? Uh, it started in 85, so it oh, is exactly just, 30 years just old. Made it, just made it. <clears throat> yeah, no, it fits uh, It fits the premise of the show, which we probably haven't actually adhered to for I don't know how long now. Just a week. Well, we did miss a week uh, because Pat had to go to Disney World. Uh, but you know what? You, you can all go fuck yourselves, because uh, we're entitled to a week off. We've been doing this for 99 weeks now. Is next week our 100th episode? It is. I wonder if we'll have some sort of clip show. We'll probably have some sort of clip show, is what I'm thinking. Huh, that's pretty cool. That means it's another week off next week. Yeah, well, we'll have to, we'll have to come on and introduce the clips. Good point. But that'll only take, I don't know, two minutes, tops. Awesome. Here you go. See you later. Dummies. Uh, well, yeah. So we're doing that. But do you do you want to talk about the uh, Golden Globe winners really quick? Sure. I mean, I don't even really care so much. Did you watch the Golden Globes? Or no. You were out for. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I I probably would have watched because I love Amy Poehler so much, but I didn't. Yeah. That well, that's always a problem with the Golden Globes. Anyway, the hosts. I always love Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, but they're they're only on at the beginning, and then that's it. And then yeah, that's I did turn on in the middle, and I was like, where are they? They just have the other people. Yeah, they have these dumb actors come out and introduce stuff who aren't funny, um, because as we have said before, most actors have no real personalities of their own. Um, Oh, before we talk about the Golden Globe Awards, let's talk about the People's Choice Awards. Oh shit. Let's talk about it. I have I know nothing about it, so I didn't. I don't know anything about it either. I, I don't know. Who got to imagine anything. Taylor Swift won something there. But I watched the first fifteen minutes of it, let's say, because I turned the channel. I was just flipping channels, and I saw Chris Pratt and Anna Faris acting t- together, and I thought, "Wow, oh, this is awesome! What is this? What is going on? This is really neat." And it, uh, Anna, Anna Faris was the host with her co-star. What's her her co-star for Mom? I forget her name. Allison Janney. Alice and Janney were the co-hosts for the People's Choice Awards, and it was mildly terrible, but it was very enjoyable to see Chris Pratt and Anna Faris acting together. And that's all you want to say about the People's Choice Awards? I thought you might have watched the whole thing. I didn't even know it was even still a thing. 
I thought it was like, like the. But you're the, right. Uh, favorite pop artist Taylor Swift. Yeah. Favorite female artist Taylor Swift. Favorite action movie Divergent, which I've not heard anybody, any people say good things about. Well, that's that's what happens when you give people the vote. Uh, I think we learned that with our uh, 57th president Zachary Taylor. It's just a bad idea. What have you thought about the openings? Oh, did, oh, do you want to talk about other stuff now, or do you want to talk about Calvin and Hobbes? Because I thought of other things. I well, were... I did want to talk about the Golden Globes, if you'll remember. Uh, oh, I only right. brought it up two two minutes ago, but but first, uh, speaking of Zachary Taylor, I, I do a pretty mean uh, Zachary Taylor impression. Let's hear it. Like I hope it's not racist. Well, no, I'll keep I'll keep his racism out of it. Um, okay. Boy, I say, boy. Don't you Spot be bringing on. those slaves around here. What? What? Spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I do mean Zachary Taylor. Uh, yeah, the Golden Globes you did not watch, but I'm sure you heard. The only the only real thing, well, your beloved Wes Anderson won for best comedy film, I guess. Um, Yay. Boo earns. You didn't even watch it, so you can't boo it. I've watched everything else he's done. No, I did not watch Darjeeling Limited. Um, so I feel I can boo it because... No, no. Everybody always says, oh, even if you don't like it, Wes Anderson, you'll like this one. Nope, that's never been the case. I never said that. Oh, I'm... actually, that's true about Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think everyone would like Fantastic Mr. Fox. It was all right. There you go. That's more than you say about most of his films. Rushmore, I enjoyed. Bottle Rocket. To an extent, Bottle Rocket's okay. I mean, it's like a, it's like a first film. You know, it's not bad, but it's not. It excellent. is great. In any case, uh, I was surprised to hear that Grand Budapest Hotel was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, you were surprised by that? Yeah. I has he has he ever been nominated for one before? That's true. I don't know. I would think. Maybe for, yeah, I don't know. He's got to have been nominated for like best original screenplay or something at least, right? Yeah, probably. But I don't think any of his films have been nominated for best best picture. Best picture, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't think so. Or, and I almost certainly hasn't been nominated for best director. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I I doubt that. Um, but yeah, maybe best cinematography. You know, it's more some of the more technical stuff. But uh, the big. The big news, of course, was Boyhood won for Best Drama, which I thought was a good omen. And Patricia Arquette won for Best Supporting Actress, which was awesome. And I wanted to mention other good news about Patricia Arquette that I'm sure you already know about and are happy about and probably very excited. That she's using this this great dramatic uh, run of, on Boyhood and the great credit she's gotten for it to extend her critically acclaimed career by starting a show called CSI Cyber. Yes, I I did see that. I saw a commercial for it and I and I said, is that fucking Patricia Arquette? And goddamn if it wasn't. And there's somebody else on it too. I can't remember who it was. Michael Caine or somebody. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But yeah, she's uh, CSI Cyber. I, I don't even know. James Vanderbeek is in it. James Vanderbeek. That's who it was. I'm always mistaking him for Michael Caine. The What's that? They're very similar, separated at birth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why the long face, Vanderbeek? Hey. Bow Wow's in it. 
Bow Wow? Mm-hmm. Not, he's not Lil anymore? No, they, they took that off once he grew up and became a big boy. Yeah, I, I mean, because Bow Wow sounds much more adult. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean, I make fun that she's in that show, but I think it actually is kind of cool that she's a star of that show because every other crime procedural, the star is not a woman. So it, it's pretty cool that she's leading up one of the CSIs. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. CSI the moon next? I guess, I mean, I guess it's probably a really profitable franchise for them. As I say, I don't watch that network. So I don't know. Maybe you're I'll... missing out on some good shows, but mostly not. Maybe I will. Uh, maybe I'll check that one out. Well, we'll be, we do need to do a mid-season show uh, episode. All the which I think I've missed a couple already. Um, Did and, you watch Backstrom? No, I missed it. Uh, oh, that was good. I but liked it. I bet it's on Hulu or something. So, and I also yeah, uh, sure it is. I DVR'd uh, Empire, but I think it got deleted because I never watched it. I didn't watch. Oh, Empire. I didn't even bother with that show. I, I, it's too bad because I like the cast. I like. I don't know how to pronounce her name. To uh, I forget her name. Taylor Swift. Uh, but Taylor Swift is awesome, and so is Terrence Howard. Yeah, I think uh, the show looks pretty awful, but uh, I do want to see it. Um, and then, well, did you hear about the Tina Fey show with uh, with uh, Ellie Kemper? Yeah, we talked about it last time. It's oh, we did. Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. So that'll be. I'm excited to see that. Um, I don't know when that starts, though. Yeah, I don't either. I know that Daredevil starts on a day. On a day, mm-hmm. that's that's good that they don't do it on a night because yeah. people are tired. Time for bed. Yeah, they don't they don't want to think about blind people and and the horrors of the world. Um, all right, that that was really all I want to talk about Golden Globes because as people know, uh, if anybody's ever listened to this podcast, we both love Boyhood. So I was happy. I was happy about that. You were probably happy about Wes Anderson. Um. Oh, and uh, and uh, didn't, and he won for best uh, director too. Linklater, right? I th- I think he did. I'm looking at the list now. Uh, probably I don't say it. Okay. <laughs> George Clooney won the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Yeah, they did. They did a good. Uh, Amy and and Tina did a good joke about that. Yeah, I heard that about his his wife's yeah, accomplishments. Linklater did did win. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping Fargo got some credit too, so that's good. Yeah, and Billy Bob mm-hmm. won for for Fargo. Yeah, that was nice. Have you watched Transparent? That's getting all kinds of. I've watched uh, the first the first few episodes. It's it's uh, Michael Morris really likes it. It's um, it's pretty good. Like Jeffrey Tambor is great. The problem with it is, um, which is something else I've talked about before, all the all the kids, all his children are just awful people. Like they're just kind of terrible. And it's, it's, so it makes it hard to watch just because you have no sympathy for these kind of spoiled uh, assholes. I kind of have that feeling about six feet under. I think I need to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they just all turned into whiny little bitches on that show. I use that term gender neutrally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Calvin and Hobbes. 30 years old. 30 years old, and we read the first two weeks. Or yeah. I just read a bunch of pages. I don't know if I got up to two weeks, but I probably did. Yeah, if you read two two Sunday ones, then you did. Um, yeah. And uh, Calvin and Hobbes was... 
reading the just the first two weeks, it was all there from the beginning. Like it was it was great right from the start. Oh yeah, and you can when you read his his history, like uh, like him talking about how he got to writing the strip, you see that he came from a place where he wasn't doing anything. Like he was, he, he didn't have another strip. He just kept failing. And this is, this is what he came up with from his failures. So th- there was a lot, a lot of failure before he got here, but he was pretty sure what he was doing once he got here. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell, I mean, right out of the gate, it, it's, it's like, it, it takes off and is consistent. Like any, any era of Calvin and Hobbes you can pick is, consistent i feel like it's he's he's got the same tone throughout the whole thing um the the same humor like he didn't have to find his voice it was it's right there and you can see it what's really cool about him is that he relied on his editors and and i think sometimes when guys get too or not authors get too big of you know of artists they don't rely on their editors enough you look at stephen king's letter books or or the prequels, George Lucas' prequels, I don't think they rely on the outside voices enough. No. And Watterson did. He said that he would put, he would throw a bunch of stuff in, and sometimes he was just trying stuff out. And he would never argue an idea because he figured if they, it wasn't worth arguing because he had enough, enough other ideas to put out there. And if the editors didn't like it, he would just maybe rework it or maybe just go away from it. And I think that's what made his his work so tight and so it worked so well, and especially in the early years. He, he talked about in, in an interview where he said in the early years he's t- he thought about making the strip more made, meta, where Calvin would talk about being in a comic strip, and they they refused to do that, or they just, for whatever reason they said no. And then and years later he thought about it, and it just wouldn't have worked well in what he was trying to do. No, nope, that would have been a bad idea. Right, and that, and that's the kind of thing that I think is effective for an outside voice, and I think that's something that worked for him. Yeah, and it's just funny, man. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, it, it holds up. It's got heart. I'm starting to think that, despite what everyone seems to believe, all the best shit came out of the 80s. <laughs> got Calvin and Hobbes. I mean, I think probably at least a candidate for the best comic strip of all time. In my opinion, it is. I know you got some far side people. Some people are going to say Peanuts. Um Maybe maybe there are still Doonesbury fans. I don't know. I can't imagine anyone would say Doonesbury. I think what makes Calvin Hobbes and, and Peanuts, Peanuts has this too, is that you can read them. If kids can read them now and they enjoy them as much as kids read, would have enjoyed them in 1985 or whatever. Right. I, I think Doons, Doonesbury, you can't say that. No, it's, that yeah, it's so topical. Well, well, yeah. Kids can love them, and adults can. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, which is not the case with you know Beetle Bailey and Family. Nobody ever liked Family Circus, as far as I can tell. Um, well, I think kids. I think maybe people could get a kick out of Family Circus, but no one ever likes High and Lois. Oh yeah, is that still around? Or Kathy? Well, Kathy's gone now. Kathy's gone. Back. Um. I think I've always thought of there's some comic strips that are written specifically to be put on refrigerators by grandparents or parents to say, this is just like Billy. And, yeah. uh, and then there's strips that are written. And then after when Doonesbury came about at first, I looked not Doonesbury. I'm sorry. Dilbert. When Do- Dilbert came about, at first I liked it. And then I realized he was doing the same thing, but for cubicles. Like, so I read that for like a year and I really thought it was funny. And then it's just kind of became one note 
where he's doing the same joke and he wants to be put up on cubicles. Yeah, and that guy is... Uh, he's a weirdo, yeah. Crazy, yeah. Um, he's, a neighbor of yours, right? What's that? He's a neighbor of yours. Oh, the Dilbert guy, Scott Adams? Yeah, he lives somewhere in the Bay Area. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. And he's or he used to. That's where he he worked for Pac Bell. Oh uh, man, I'm I'm kind of surprised. He he must have maybe that's what drove him crazy being that right wing living out here. <laughs> uh, I have you like read any of his blog shit? Oh, I, he had some misogynistic stuff like ten yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Stopped. He's and then before that, he also had some kind of magical thinking where it's. Kind of not the secret, but that kind of thing. Where if you really want something, you have to like write it down every day, and it'll it'll come true. It's easy to say when you become successful that like that's what did it. If you believe in right. like bullshit, but <laughs> then for all the people who aren't going to be successful who buy into that crap, it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's not he's not focusing on the fact that he had to be funny. Right, right. Yeah, in the beginning, he was very funny, and then after that, he was really good marketing himself. And I'm, I, I haven't read a strip in a long time, but I imagine that the fact that it's still going and still putting books out, it's, it's amusing someone. Is Garfield still going? Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a machine, dude. That guy's got to be like in his seventies by now. Well, I don't think he's written the strip for a long time. Oh really? But it's still his he, name on it. Yeah, I think he has artists that do this, like do the strip, and then he has other people who work on the cartoon. He's, yeah, it's, he's he like might, a Thomas Kincaid of. Cartoons. Yeah, he might have some part of it. Um, that's what's kind of that's what's very cool about Charles Schultz that he never had anybody but himself do it. Yeah, because like in the later years when he got all shaky and stuff, it, you could I mean you, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, and the jokes weren't as good too, but it's still at least it was his his bad jokes, not some not some fill in. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know how old Jim Davis is, but he must be up there. All I know is that cat sure does like lasagna, and he sure does not like Mondays. I wonder what he would think if he had lasagna on a Monday, though. You know what? It might change his whole impression of the world. But then the strip would have to end. Immediately, and Jim Davis will stop. I don't know if that's his name. He'll stop at nothing to make that not happen. The Garfield without, without Garfield would send me into fucking spasms of laughter did you ever read that yeah. one yeah yeah <laughs> what's cool is he he uh the guy who did did garfield was was kind enough to let the guy who created that jim davis was kind enough to let the guy who did that publish a book and like i, I i'm sure most of the money went to the garfield people but the guy who put together the idea actually got to share in the profits yeah no i know really that was cool that was cool because and because he yeah he gave it his blessing and he thought it was funny actually so yeah yeah um yeah well i mean even though he's kind of a uh dipshit now uh george lucas was the same way with star wars stuff you know he was pretty cool about all that and parodies and and whatever. why is he a dipshit now well, did you see episodes one through three? Well, but. well, I guess he's kind of always been a dipshit's maybe not the right word, but um, he's not been a great director. That, no, I for agree sure. with that. But he's he still lets the when you own the company, he let the fans do what they wanted, and and how he's approaching the new the new Star Wars movies is pretty cool too, where he's excited about it and he doesn't he doesn't have any kind of Anything to take away the the glow. Yeah, no, no, he is cool about it. I mean, I'm sure you know a few 
hundred billion in the bank helps you be cool about a lot of shit. But <laughs> now all the money he got from Disney, he sent to charity. Oh, right. So Disney World, uh, how was that? You know, my I I'm not a huge fan of Disney and their kind of uh, fascistic. Let's have fun at all costs. 1950s morality mentality. <laughs> but you seem to enjoy it. It was fun. I liked every. I went to. I've never been to Animal Kingdom before, which is a. Well, not new. It's probably been there 10 years, but new to me park. And it's like half zoo and half. Half uh, amusement park. And it was. I, th- I thought they did the combination pretty well. And I got to see animals and go on pretty good rides. And Hollywood Studios it used to be called MGM Studios. Now it's Hollywood Studios. Has the Star Wars ride, which is a lot of fun. And I imagine there's enough land in the swamps of. Orlando where they can eventually build a Star Wars theme park and if they don't they're crazy and uh, so it was fun overall Epcot was neat and they have the worlds which I mean not the worlds they have the world showcase which where you can go and they have little like uh, the food of the countries and they right, have, you go eat some terrible burritos or no the food was pretty I didn't have a burrito but the food was of the countries I went to was pretty good and probably close to authentic we uh, had where'd you go Estonia Bhutan yeah. I had uh, Estonia. We had rock soup, and the rocks were out of this world. Yeah, imported probably from Estonia. But I think I had. I I kind of like the idea that it gives people that are going on vacation for like to do fun stuff, a little piece of the culture of other cultures. So I kind of like that. But I was there for a little bit, and some of the things that they do kind of put me on edge, and I didn't like it. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was until i was sitting with my mom and i was just talking about you know, different things and i was like i think i think what i don't like is they sell these these pieces of what is supposed to be the other country and they're not really pieces they're like pieces of stereotype like they sell these chinese hats what that chinese farmers would wear to keep the sun out of their eyes you know the right right and it's not it's it's not a good thing to sell those hats because you're so, you're actually selling like a little piece of a stereotype. And my mom was like, "Well, it's just a hat, blah blah blah." And I was, and I was talking about it a little bit more, and I was like, "Well, it's just a hat, but it's they're selling it to the people who don't see it as just a hat, and they see it as like a racist stereotype." And like right. the crap was going to pick it up, and then as I'm telling the story, a kid picks up the hat, puts it on, and wants his picture taken as he makes his eyes into oh, to be squinty. Jesus. And I was like, "This is what." I'm I'm talking about and his father picks up the hat and they start bowing at each other. I'm like, dude, this is exactly what I'm saying. I, and I, I don't think Disney had racist ideas when they put things together, but as sometimes I think that it's, it's like all in the family. They're laughing at the wrong parts. People are buying the stuff, not to, not to, to revel and enjoy a culture, but to make fun of it, which yeah. I think that's what put me on edge. I think there's a lot of it. That's not like that, that people are enjoying and learning because there's like whole museums about different countries. And they had a really neat museum in, in the Japan section where it was like comparing modern day anime with where the, like the, the, the mythical pieces of the culture where that came from, where, you know, the, there's stuff that they have in anime that they've had in Japanese culture for hundreds of years, and they've showed the art that like, where it grew from. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, but, but it was I, a bad idea to have uh, the uh, animatronic Mickey Rooney from Breakfast at Tiffany's there. As well, the, bad idea, but I had my picture taken with it. Of course. And I will never, never uh, burn that picture. And also, you know, to, to sell uh, vest bombs in the Afghanistan exhibit, kind of Islamophobic, but... A little bit, but I mean, they had, it was, the vest bombs were funny because it was, there's alarm clock clocks you don't see very often. Oh yeah, like the old style ones. 
Yeah, and then you could, they are also usable. You can use them to actually wake you up in the morning. Oh, yeah, that is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I would need at least three Vicodin to go. I, well, I, I would probably need at least three Vicodin to enter the state of Florida and then maybe some heroin to go into Disney World. But And, you know, usually I, I have trouble with crowds. Not trouble, but it's just like I don't enjoy it. I didn't mind it there so much. Like when I go to a big event, I'm just like, you people are all annoying. But at, at Disney, they weren't as annoying because they. I think like when you're at a show, people are actually annoying. They want to get in front of you to see the band. Yeah, yeah. That is annoying. They don't really do that at Disney, so it's kind of nice. Um, anyway, fun yeah. time. What? What? Fun time. I, I, I like to talk to other people who are going there so I can give them my tips, but I haven't talked to anybody who's actually going. Actually, it was, was kind of neat. We went to a hibachi restaurant. And you know how those restaurants are. You have like a bunch of people sitting together and there might be strangers. So we sat with a family. It was our last day of our trip and it was this family's first day. So it was, the kids were really excited and they were asking me all kinds of questions of, about the rides we went on. And I, it was nice to be able to share like good tips on what to do as I leave and they're starting. So that was fun. Oh, that's cool. Oh, and also there is... It was tragic that they all died from food poisoning. Well, yeah. Well, before no. they could even go to the park, but... Well, that's That's life. When you when you risk eating uncooked shellfish, but uh, the, what's the guy's name for marry me? The the Ken the, Marino. Ken Marino. There's a ride, the Aerosmith roller coaster, and in the Aerosmith roller coaster, there's a, the part where you have to watch this TV screen where Aerosmith is talking to the the their manager and the producer, and the the manager's played by someone famous too, Alina Glass, I think, or I forget her last name. But she's one of those character actresses, you know. Anyway, Ken Marino plays the engineer and doesn't have any lines. Wow. See, the Aerosmith ride is exactly why I would need heroin to go there. I was I was so happy when I went on that ride and there wasn't much Aerosmith music playing. Yeah. There's enough. Enough to make me not want to stay very long, but not so much that I wanted to gnaw my ears off. Uh, which is very difficult to do. I know. I was just imagining how hard that would be, but I would do it if I had to. Uh, Calvin I think and there'd Hobbs. be a Bell and Sebastian ride. Well, yeah, it'd be all. It'd be a bummer. But it, a little bit happy. A little, kind of happy. It'd be melon. It'd be a melancholy ride. Um, all pastelly. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know. Like, it's very difficult to talk about comic strips. You can't even talk about individual strips. No, just kind of the feeling much. of it. But I think what's neat about Calvin and Hobbes also is it's not a punchline comic. It's often really funny. And sometimes there's a punchline, but sometimes it's just thoughts. Yeah. No, yeah, the comedy comes out of uh, situations and characters. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about how it was, from the beginning to the end, it was almost the same. But there is a, a slight change in the Sunday strips that you notice. Like the ones we read were all just just uh boxes but in later years when he got more power he would just fill up the entire strip as this one big one big one, panel yeah and i i think that was fun that he fought he fought the newspapers and kind of won and it, it was an interesting time for him to to get into comic strips for, for comic strips at that time it was kind of at the end he got in right at the end but before it was the end so it was before the internet but it was still the time when newspapers were being killed by by TV, TV news, people, more people were getting their news from TV than the newspapers at that point. So, the the pages were getting smaller, and the frame, the amount of space dedicated to comic strips was getting smaller. 
So he was kind of fighting, fighting a losing battle. Yeah, but it was well, like I mentioned, the Far Side was around the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a great time for comic strips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I just and we should mention it has, it has heart. It's not like overly oh, yeah. sappy. Like a no, lot of, but when when it, he brings a sap out, it works really works, well. Works, yeah. Like the, we didn't read it, but later on in the run of the strip, he loses he loses Hobbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's heartbreaking and touching and so sweet. Um, yeah. I. Uh, it's. Do you own the uh, the entire collection? Yes. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah, I didn't. Although, re- if you're listening to this, you can read the entire collection online. So. Oh, can you? Yeah, it's that that Go comic. I don't know if it's the entire run, but it starts in 2007, where you can just read the dailies for a long time. I don't know if they've caught up to the end yet. Oh well, you should give. You should give him your hard-earned 150 bucks, because uh, it's a good, it's worth. Well, it's a really nice collection. I think 150 bucks will get you two copies nowadays. Yeah, I know it probably will. Um, but yeah, everything's in place. He's even got Spaceman Spiff in within the first two weeks, <laughs> and then Susie shows up um, in the third week. So yeah, yeah. I guess the only thing that we haven't met in the the first couple weeks is Miss. Was it Miss? Uh... I forget the teacher's name, but no, you haven't she, met the teacher yet. She's, she's in there because she takes him to the principal. That's the spaceman spit. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, so there's I can't even think of anybody that, that is a regular character that isn't there the first two weeks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's He's got like he's got the shit figured out early <laughs> on, which is awesome. You know awesome. what he, he hasn't done yet is the – he has a question to the father, but it's not, the father's not as sarcastic as he becomes later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is another great part of the strip is how sarcastically funny the father is when he's when Calvin asks him questions and the mother gets mad. Yeah, his dad just makes up some stupid <laughs> answer. Well, it, it would be hard to believe nobody has read Calvin and Hobbes, but if you haven't, uh, you should. You definitely should. Have you read the the fan made thing where it's Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes when he's grown up and he has a kid? He's he's married Susie. It's really sweet. No. Oh, I, yeah. I'll put a link to that up. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. It's much better than you'd expect from the description. Yeah, usually fan stuff is not great, but uh, I no. think I think a lot of fan stuff is, as far as art goes, is is often good. Yeah, like, yeah. No, that's like, true. But uh, but yeah, but there is, you have to go. Th- you have to shift through a lot of crap to get to the good stuff. Well, that's another thing we should mention. The art is really good. Oh yeah, and it's yeah, rare that you have such a good comic book or a comic strip artist who's also so good at writing. Right. Yeah. He combined both. I, he talks about that too, where he, when he was first deciding to become a comic strip artist or, you know, a cartoonist, he, he didn't care about the art. And then, and then the more he got into it, the more dedicated he became and the more, the more he was happy with the work he was doing. And that's why near the end of his career, when they were trying to, uh, crop his work into different stuff. He's like, no, I don't, I don't, I've worked hard to do what I do. I don't want it to be on a, on a poster or whatever. I want it to be where I want it and that's it. Yeah, no. And yeah, he, he had integrity all the way through. He quit at the right time and, and he was just like, no, I'm done. I uh, I can't imagine he's happy about the Calvin pissing uh, bumper stickers, but you know, yeah. And that's the, the one I, the one Bad part about not letting licensing licensing happen because that Calvin sticker probably would have been least likely, less likely to be so popular. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely stupid when you say it. 
Yeah. Uh, well, all right. You want to take a break and we'll go into cul-de-sac? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero. Tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation. Hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's Greyhound Racing, steeplechasing. We're back, and now we're going to be talking about cul-de-sac, which, all right, wait, you chose this one because? The cartoonist for this this comic strip won a Rubin, which is the, whatever, the comic strip award of the year in 2010. The, the and Rubin, incidentally, uh, started by President Zachary Taylor. Right, in 2010. Boy! Um, yeah, so... I did, yeah, I had I'd never heard of it. You had never heard of it. Um, and I have to say, I found it pretty unremarkable. I thought it was okay. I thought it was, if I read it more often, I might like it. It was, I like the fact that it's not just much like Calvin and Hobbes. It owes a lot to Calvin and Hobbes, and it owes a lot to uh, Pogo and Peanuts. The, it's not going for um, the easy joke. It's not going for the punchline. It's going for little slices of life and little stories. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, some of it's not, has no joke whatsoever. Uh, but, it, yeah, I don't know, you know, like, they have, it's just about a bunch of kids. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, they got a kid named Petey Potter Poop. That's, was that his, I think. Or is that just the nickname that I think that was the nickname him? the kid, I have to think that was the nickname, because that's not, they're not going to name a character that, I hope. Yeah. yeah, well, we re- we read some from 2010, and um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe if I knew the characters better, because um, there's a lot of different kids. Yeah, there is. I thought they had some clever little pieces of life in it, though. I, I liked it. I I would advise if people like to read newspaper comic strips, this is one I wouldn't say to avoid. It's not it's not Mallard Fillmore, which was another one that got nominated for a Rubin, and that's why I didn't pick it because I can't stand that. Oh God, yeah. I can't believe that's right. I have to be lying. There's no way that won an award. I hope I'm lying. I hope you are too. Uh, yeah, this this strip is well. To, I I didn't laugh at anything in it. No, I didn't. Maybe either. that. Yeah, that was. Well, uh, I th- I mean I don't laugh at every Calvin Hobbes either. I, oh, I that's kind of, true. I don't. I'm not comparing this to Calvin Hobbes and saying we are comparing and Calvin Hobbes wins because if it's going to be a competition, Calvin Hobbes is going to stop pretty much everyone may, except maybe Crazy Cat and maybe some errors of of uh, uh, Peanuts. Peanuts, yeah, but not the whole, not the whole because Peanuts had some low points too, and Peanuts really Charles Schultz was not af- not afraid of licensing his characters. No, but he... um, uh, I thought it was I thought it was good though. I thought it was. If I read enough, maybe there would be one that would really strike my funny bone, but I didn't read enough. But I liked I liked the art, and I liked the fact that he wasn't afraid to have a, a, a strip go by where he just talks and doesn't try to push a, a bad joke in. 
Yeah, no, I, I kind of get that. It's just, I, I think it wasn't, I don't know, maybe maybe it's it's just not for me at this age. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, but it's de- definitely a kid's book. Yeah. I mean, kid's strip, looking at kid's lives. Yeah, and the art the art's nowhere near the level of Calvin and Hobbes, no. obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I could say I'd I'd recommend it. Well, you know, you should you should obviously check it out. You should check everything out and make up your own mind. Um, oh, it wasn't it wasn't um, Mallard Fillmore that one. It was Non Sequitur. Well, I don't even I, know what that is. Got to be like a Far Side kind of thing, right? It's po- more political. Oh, is more political than Mallard Fillmore? No, more p- political than Far Side. Oh, Mallard Fillmore. Um, let me let me make sure, but thank God, never thank won, God. never won. That might be the the worst political strip that's ever gotten national. Yeah, it most definitely is. I mean, I, even BC was was better than at its worst was better than Mallard Fillmore. Oh yeah, that at, guy at its went off the rails Christian. too. Yes. Um. I was trying to remember which one it was. I couldn't remember if it was. It couldn't have been Hagar the Horrible because that dude was a drunk uh, misogynist, what, right? Wait, what, no, that was Andy Cap was the drunk misogynist. Yeah, he was the the. Wait, what, what are you trying to think of? Well, uh, no, I was just saying I couldn't remember which one. Um, it was BC, the dude that that went. Oh all, yeah, all yeah, crazy. Yeah. I couldn't. I for some reason I thought it was Hagar the Horrible or or whatever. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really weird that he went so off the rails. Be, I mean, having his characters be so Christian when his characters were cavemen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I'm. I know. I'm reading a, a Mallard Fillmore cartoon <laughs> right now. Um, she shouldn't. No. It's. It's pretty terrible. Uh, I mean, it's. It's like listening to Ann Coulter. Anyway, um, yeah, cul-de-sac. It's going to be a sh- very short segment. Yeah, I think we've talked about everything there is. To- well, it, it's another strip that ended early. I think it ran for probably ten years. The the artist Richard Thompson. Oh, it's over. I thought it was. I thought it was still going. No, it, uh, I think it ended in 2012. He had he got Parkinson's and decided to retire. And I don't think they it's kept kind of strip selfish. Going. Yeah, I know. It's just who cares if it's a little shaky. But I don't think they kept the strip going. He just retired the strip with him. So was it in newspapers or just online? It was in newspapers. Oh. I think he already had gotten a name for himself by working for the Washington Post. Like he would do like uh, pictures for other features, and then and then he came up with a comic strip to do. Like he was not always doing comic strips. I think he did a lot for the style section before he he got his own strip. Huh. Interesting. So he, he, yeah, 2012, he retired the strip and, and himself. Well, yeah, I, it, it, it's not up there for me with, you know. I think it's up there for me with modern day uh, strips. Yeah, I have I not checked any of those out. I mean, I've seen the, what is it, XYCD or whatever it is. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, I think that's that's kind of like Dilbert, for, but for scientific for, people. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I, I'm not saying anything bad about it, but I don't love it. I don't think it's as as uh, 
easy for everybody to enjoy. I, I, that's what's great about Kevin and Hobbs. Everyone can you can say show that to anybody, and they're probably going to get a kick out of it. I don't think you can easily say that for XYCD, whatever it is. Yeah, I think uh, for the modern day newspaper strips that are are like the that have universal pure. I, I think Mutz might be the best. I think Mutz is one of the best strips that's that's come about. It's it's kind of just a cute little pet a pet comic, and that's really good. And that's that's really run, uh, lasted for a while. And a good thing about it is that the the guy who who writes it is he's he's a pretty good artist. I think he does a good job with with the little amount of space he's he's dealt with. Uh, and then the other one that doesn't have universal appeal, but it's pretty funny, is Pearls Before Swine. I think it's called the Stephen Pastis, who gets very meta and is, uh, doesn't isn't afraid to make fun of other strips, which is is fun. Oh yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I know I saw one for a while that was like basically a total rip off of the Far Side, that uh, but with worse art. <laughs> yeah, I think that's still there. Yeah, I think so too. I can't remember what it's called. Um, worse art and worse jokes. Um, Here, let me read a, a strip that that uh, the, uh, the description of a strip that Pearls Before Swine had in 2005. In the week of June 27, 2005, Passis ran a series of strips involving the whereabouts of terrorist Osama bin Laden. The strips portrayed bin Laden living as an exchange student with the family from the comic The Family Circus. He's seen in it at the dinner table, ending grace with debt to America instead of amen. So he did fun stuff. I'm surprised he didn't get sued for that. <laughs> By the Bill Keen estate. Wait, does that strip still run? It can't, right? It does. Bill Keen's son. man and then his son's gonna do it it's just never gonna end i i what i like about family circus is when you get the like when i was a kid i got a a book of the family circus i was like eight or nine and it was entirely different art and the the father was a much different character than he became when it when the, the the book first ran he like he smoked and drank and he was drawn as a heavy guy. So I don't know when it changed, but in the beginning it's... When he adopted uh, Mormonism as his religion, I think. <laughs> I guess so. So, yeah, they, even if you go to the Wikipedia page for Family Circus, the, the, the one they gave as an example is the old version. And the, the joke is involves the father having alcohol. But at some point that changed. But it was just kind of eye-opening to it nine-year-old at this this stupid strip i read every day because i read when i was a kid i read all the comics every day yes yeah, i never i never liked for any reason was so different when i first began um yeah no it's there's there's a ton i mean people make a living doing this shit and and so much of it is so bad <laughs> um it's kind of sad it makes me wish i could draw although xycd that guy can't draw worth a damn so yeah, what's your problem? Yeah. Or that guy that does the XKCD. But the guy that does... Um, XKCD, was, sorry, yeah. What was the one that every strip was the same clip art of the dinosaur? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I did... I mean, I did a strip kind of like that with Chicken Shack for a little while where it was just <laughs> uh, clip art and Photoshop. Yeah, I, I, I guess. But you're not going to get that into the newspaper where you're getting paid, you know? No, uh, XKCD doesn't get in newspapers. No, least. that's true. He gets. And Dinosaur Comics gets. He sells stuff too. That's what it's called. The where it's pretty much the same every time. He just changes his words. Did you ever read uh, David Lynch's comic strip? I can't remember what it's called. 
No, I didn't know he had one. A lonely dog or something. I can't remember. It was pretty fucking weird. Um, but Twin Peaks coming back. Yeah. I haven't seen the first one, but... Oh, you Jesus Christ. Did you start watching The Wire yet in HD? God Maybe damn not. <laughs> I have started watching the, the new season of Parks and Rec, and I have been delighted. Oh, me too. It's, it's been great. It's been super good. And I saw someone online, I know you saw too, where he was complaining about the fact that the, the futuristic gadgets look too futuristic for five years in the future. And I just wanted to tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah, it's idiotic complaint. Um, Very funny. It's sad that it's leaving, but I'm glad they're going off with such a such an interesting, fun final season. I'm glad they skipped the five years to... To to make every to shake everything up, but have it still be the same. It's what I wish The Simpsons would do. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm also glad they they uh, wound up the the Ron versus Leslie storyline quickly because I it was making me uncomfortable where I'm like because you know you you're like don't do this all season you want them to be friends again. Yeah, but it really wasn't very quickly. It was quickly to us because they they're running four episodes, two episodes of right. No, that's episodes. true. Yeah. And they're only doing 13 episodes a season, so that that is true, I guess. But no, I I and I thought the they did it. It worked how they they had them back together, and it worked why they were apart. Yeah, so I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yep. Nope. That well, shit. That could have been my recommendation for this week. Are we? Yeah, we're done with cul de sac. I don't know. Check it out or don't. It's 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 not going to change your life. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. But no, it's not going to change your life. I don't think any anything you've ever talked about on this show is going to change your life. I don't think your life needs any changing. I think you're perfect just as you are. Go out and live your life and be happy. I think uh, magical thinking will change your life. If you, if you believe it and write it down every day, it's going to happen. So good luck with all those Oscars you're going to win, listeners. And share the wealth. Well, that's not never anybody's dream to share their wealth. This is America. Did you say not never? Well, I, I, I trip myself up with my speaking words. Uh, I thought that so, was some subconscious. You wanted people to share their wealth, so you said not never, a double negative to make them actually do it. Me no talk, goody. <laughs> See? Um, all right, so shall we do recommendations, Asians, 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 Asians? Yes. All right, you go first because I haven't even thought of one. Oh, I have to remember the name of the, the book. Oh, it's going to be there's great. A, there's a, a very good kids book that, uh, not kids, a uh, young adult uh, novel, love story called Eleanor and Park by an author named Rainbow Roll. And it's a really good story. It's about two kids in the 80s that are kind of outcast in their high school and they get together and become, become friends and then they become girlfriend, boyfriend. And it's really sweet and, and well-written and... Wait, it's Very, like a young adult novel? Yes. Okay. Yes. You read it in a day. It's a short little thing. But in touching and and it touches it it's it talks about the kind of music that, that's really fun. So yeah, go listen to it. The kid's a punk rock kid and the girls likes the Smiths. Alright. But very good book. Uh I will recommend uh How Music Works, book by David Byrne of Talking Heads. Which I have not finished, but uh I think I I've read enough to recommend it. Um, it's very interesting. He talks, he goes in depth into process and stuff and 
uh, talks a lot about his own work and you know yeah it's pretty cool if you if you like music which if you don't um, I think I think it's an actual uh, brain disorder if you don't like music because I know a couple people who who have said they don't like music and it's a weird thing to claim it yeah I swear, I, I must have... I think my, my, I have a brain disorder because I swear I thought you said David Byrne from Talking Fish. Oh, well, he's from Talking Heads and Talking Fish. Uh, oh, you said that. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Talking Fish, the uh, the podcast yeah, I, where they talk about know, fish. I didn't Not analyze ever... fish, but Talking Fish. <laughs> oh, okay, you didn't say it then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess this wraps up episode 99. Uh, sorry about not being on last week, but, you know, sometimes people got to live their lives, and uh, it's not all about you. Ass. I'm reading the latest Mallard Fillmore, and I'm thanking that I don't have to read this every day. Wait, is it still going? Oh, yeah. Does it run in like regular papers or is it just in like uh, regular Fox papers. News newsletter? Oh. Regular papers. I can still remember when I where I was when I found out President Kennedy. That's the one shot. I just read. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot to say it's all America's fault three times. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, write to us at popculturecontinuum.com. You do the rest. Like us on Facebook. Wait, I read it. I read it. I write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Did I say that? That's what I meant. Now you did. Okay. You can also write to us at john at popculturecontinuum.com. But not Pat. Please don't. Oh, wait. No, write to us at Pat, but not John. Oh, whatever. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Rate us very highly on iTunes. And write a good review for us. But most importantly, tell your friends to listen. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with y'all? You're good with your wordies. You can make good noise with mouth. Make more noise with mouth to people nearby. Yes. Take uh, take friend to bosom talk in ear. Say of... use ear, listen, pet, John. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I think we couldn't have spelled it out more clearly. So, uh, all right. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. the best.
Living